This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. Today I'm joined by Luke Zalman to talk about the Colorado Rockies winners and losers since the trade deadline and Todd Helton's big weekend at Coors Field. Stay tuned. Okay, I am joined by Luke Zalman to talk about Colorado Rockies and some some riot, some winners and some losers since the trade deadline. I think that's going to be a good gimmick. So, Luke, how you doing? You know, I, I'm doing good. It's, I'm doing a little better than the Rockies lately, that's for sure. Yeah, it hasn't been a great stretch for the Rockies, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, when you just told me about this gimmick about winners and losers since, their, since the trade deadline, I think that's a, a good thing to look at. Um, real quick, before we dive into those names, um, you have been tweeting about this and – their strikeouts are brutal right now. Yep. And do you just think that's a combination of they've got big hitter, you know, big hitters swinging for the fences, and these are just young guys who are struggling to make contact? So, and we, we've we talked, obviously, I think it's been almost a daily thing when we talked about Black before the games now of, well, what's another aspect of the strikeouts you guys have looked at? What's it? I mean, it's getting asked about every single day. And it seems like the consensus, at least from what his all of his comments together, kind of would signal that they're not very they're not caught up to major league pitching yet. As far as the difference between a major league fastball, minor league, or major league slider, minor league, and then on top of that, all of these guys are very gung ho about getting out, getting hits, but they're not doing as well at the hey, this pitch was in the zone, out of the hand but then it dropped out. I need to hold up there. I mean, check swings are almost non-existent for the Rockies. They just, they almost never have that controlled aggression. And that seems to be one of their big problems is you have to have controlled aggression. You have to say yes, yes, no. And they're, they have a lot of guys that are really good at the first two yeses, gearing themselves up to hit. And then they're not very good at holding back when it's not a strike. So a lot of times it seems like they're deciding out of the hand, if they're going to swing or not. And then the pitch will go, you know, two feet out of the zone. And by then there's nothing, there's nothing they can do. They've already swung. Um, and I, I, there's a couple guys that it's worse than others. Um, but as a whole, they're just, I mean, if it's, if it's not one guy, one game, it's another guy, the next game. And they're regularly having guys strike out three times a game, which is just, I mean, that's, that's an offensive killer. That's a momentum killer. How many strikeouts did they have in that Dodger series again? It was like 70 something. No, so I believe in the four <laughs> games they, yeah, it, between, it felt that way. Road trip, yeah, on the road trip they had seventy plus. Okay, on that was the, the road trip okay. against the Dodgers. I believe they had forty eight or forty nine in four games, which is, I mean, you're just not going to win games, and especially against a team that has that much more talent than you. If you're also giving them the benefit of double digit strikeouts every game with almost no walks, I believe they, I, I believe they walked twice in the four games combined struck out 49 times and you're just not going to be even a bad team. You're not going to be doing that, but much less a team like the Dodgers. That, that's definitely just, you could tell that that's they, the young guys are here now and they, yeah. uh, you know, they're still going to have their struggles, but all right. So I'm interested to hear, uh, let's do winners first. Who, who are some winners for the Rockies since the trade deadline? So I think one of their biggest winners, and it's not necessarily at the plate, but I think it's Brenton Doyle. I mean, he has taken, yet another step forward in center field. And he has really, I think, brought to light how much the Rockies have needed a dominant defensive center fielder and how much of a difference it can make to have a guy that can go both ways. He can come in, he can go back, he has a good arm, he has all of these skills that you'd want, the speed. I mean, 
He's uh, when we asked Bud Black about it, he said he's probably the best center fielder that's been here since I've been here. So, I mean, that says a little bit. There's been a couple center fielders. I, I, I think there's a couple other guys you could argue in Rockies history have been comparable, like a Dexter Fowler. But I mean, it's just it, it's immaculate seeing a guy out in center field that can do all of the things he can do. And I mean, he's according to Run Safe, he's the second best center fielder in the league behind Kevin Kiermeyer. And if he had played the entire year. He'd probably be number one. I mean, he might win a gold glove in center as a rookie, which you almost never see. So that's, I mean, he's probably one of the huge winners. Um, You know, I was trying to think, when after you said that, after Bud Black said that, I was trying to think who played center for them. I mean, Charlie was out there a lot, but he he was never known for his defense. And then, yeah, yeah I guess Charlie was out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, they dealt with some Ian Desmond in center a little oh, as God. part of like all of his <laughs> positional mismatch. Charlie Blackman played a decent amount of center under him. And Charlie's always been more of a bat than a glove. I mean, yeah. his his fielding was better at one point than it is now. Um, but, yeah, it's just there hasn't been a ton. I mean, the fact that there were games where they've had jerks and Profar in center kind of – that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about and that they just haven't had that guy. And Brent Doyle, I mean, with the type of contract control they have under – I mean, they may have their center fielder for the next seven years locked in now. So that's that's a pretty big deal for the biggest outfield in, in the majors. So he's probably – he's definitely going to get better with the bat, though. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> And so he's part of the strikeout problem for sure. I mean, he's – I believe he's up there around – he's almost at 40% strikeout rate. and. Ooh. The biggest problem with that is he's not able to utilize his speed if he's striking out. If he can at least get the ball on the ground and get it in play a little bit, then he can use his legs. He's the fastest guy on the team. So if he could use his legs a little bit, but when you're striking out, you give yourself no opportunity to use some of those other exploits that you have. All right, let's go. Uh, who's, who's your other winners? So another one is uh, – and a big one, which I don't know if you'd expect it, is Pierce Johnson. When he left, it was kind of, well, you know, his ERA was getting up there, you know, past six. You weren't really sure what the Braves were getting. Well, he's appeared 10 times for them, and he still hasn't allowed an earned run. So he's been nearly perfect for them since he got traded to Atlanta. And I think that illustrates how well his stuff can play, especially at a place where you can really get that break on his curveball. I mean, that's such a huge part of what he does. And so when you're in Colorado and you're not getting quite as much break, I think you can suffer a little bit more. Whereas now that he's in Atlanta, in Atlanta and has that break, man, he—I mean—he's looked great. They've interviewed him. He seems to be, you know, really happy there. The Rockies are already starting to bring up Victor Vodnik, which was a piece they got for Pierce. So both teams really seem to have done pretty decent in that trade. We won't know how the Rockies did until we see Vodnik, you know, at the major league level, but. It seems like Pierce Johnson has really loved that that uh, location switch. You know, it, it shows how smart of an organization the Braves are, not to go off oh, yeah. on a different team, but there's a reason they're the best team in the National League. <laughs> yeah, Alex Anthopoulos is – he's, I would argue, maybe the best general manager in the league at getting small pieces that make a big difference. I mean, when they won the World Series – that was the year he brought in all those outfielders. He brought in Jorge Soler. Oh, he brought in right. Eddie Rosario. He brought in these guys that when you saw the the stats and the names on paper, you thought, well, those are kind of fringe additions. Well, then Eddie Rosario is the NLCS MVP. <laughs> I mean, it's he's very good at spotting those little deficiencies on other teams where maybe they're not using a guy right. 
maybe he needs a location switch. And he's been really good at those fringe moves. And in a way, it's saved them from ever having to really go after those huge ones like a Juan Soto trade or, you know, like, a you know, trading for one of those huge guys. He's able to do it on the fringes while having this core that is, I mean, they, they have the best offense in Major League Baseball history right now. So he's, he's able to rely on that and then make fringe additions. And, I mean, Alex Anthopoulos, there's, there's probably not three GMs better in the entire league. But at, at those fringe pieces, I don't know who's better than he is. And all their core is locked up for what, six years, seven years? Mike? Yep, yep. Uh, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, they're all locked in. I mean, it's he's he's figured out how to do it. He signed him a little early. Even guys like Spencer Strider signed in. So I don't know that any team has both a better present and better future than Atlanta. I mean, they're going to be scary for a long time. All right, who else you got as a winner? For the Rockies. Nolan or Jones. Just, and oh, yeah. for it's for a lot of the same reason as Brenton Doyle, but Brenton Doyle had that acclaim coming in. They knew he had the arm. They knew he could field. So they kind of had those expectations. Nolan Jones is a guy who just got switched to the outfield a couple years ago. He's still growing in it. And then he comes into the Arizona series. He has three outfield assists in three games. He's up to 10 now. So he's – and you would never put these two in the same class just from headlines. But he's tied with Tatis for the most outfield assists this year. And everyone has talked about how good Tatis has been in his switch. Well, Nolan Jones is tied for outfield assists. I mean, he has, he, he has for my money, the best arm on the team. And, I mean, if you go by StatCast, he has the best arm in the entire majors. Obviously, that depends. But, man, has he been good in the outfield. And as his ball tracking gets better, he's going to be able to utilize that arm even more. So, Nolan Jones is – he he's starting to look like a guy that could be a core member of their future now. I, I was just going to say, like, he could be, besides Tovar, and I don't know if he's on your winner list, but besides Tovar, he may have the highest ceiling, don't you think, on the big league team right now? And I would argue it might be a little higher because I think that what Nolan Jones, the, the difference obviously is that Tovar plays a premium position. Yeah. So his value is always going to probably be a little higher as a shortstop. But Nolan Jones has the type of power that you find maybe 20 guys in the league have. I mean, there are not guys that are hitting balls 450 as consistently as Nolan Jones does. So if he can cut just a little bit down on the strikeouts, get a little more contact, he's going to allow his power to to really shine through. I mean, I yeah, I don't see many guys on that roster that have a higher ceiling. Now, whether he reaches it or not, obviously we don't know. But he's, I mean, his skill set is one that you just really don't find very often. And the, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember the, what was the trade with the Guardians? Who did the Rockies send? I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember the exact reliever, but it was, it was someone that, it, like it a just, fringe it guy ne- that, yeah, yeah, it was, it was as close to getting a guy for free as you can get. And so Nolan Jones was basically free. The Guardians had basically given up, given up on him. He was a top prospect at one point. So the Rockies just with him, with uh, they also did it with Cole Tucker a little bit. They're like, hey, these guys used to be these top picks, top prospects. Let's see if we can rejuvenate them a little bit. And both of them have been really good for the organization. All right. So who's your last winner? My last winner is Austin Gomber. And I know that oh, sounds okay. really weird to say after he, you know, the last start was a little rough, especially after, you know, all of his inherited runners scored. But when you look at his last 10 starts, he has a 339 ERA. And he's allowed just four home runs, which may not seem like a big deal. But if you look at the 10 before that, 
His ERA was 639, and he had allowed 14 homers in 10 games. So he's reached a stretch now that, in for my money, it's been his best stretch as a Rocky. And he has shown, I think, what a lot of evaluators thought was kind of, you know, this type of pitcher, the type of pitcher that he could be for a team like the Rockies. And, man, he's been – I mean, he's been their ace recently, and and the fact that they've lost all the pitchers they have, for him to step up the way he has, I mean, he's been awesome for them. And I, I don't know how they would have survived without him kind of stepping up into that role. You know, the Nolan Arenado trade will never be good. But if they at least have one piece that is contributing, I think you can at least can make you feel a little better. And like you said, he's been their most consistent guy. It seems like when he's on the mound, he's, you know, giving them at least a chance. Well, and that's what the Rockies need. I mean, I I thought it was very illuminating when we talked to guys like Obaldo Jimenez, guys like Jason Jennings that have come back for these 30th anniversaries. They'll say, when you pitch in Colorado, the mindset's different. You're pitching to beat the other starter. You are not pitching to, hey, I need to be perfect and not allow any runs or hits because if you try to pitch like that, you're going to implode. It's just not going to work. So as long as they have starters that can keep them in ball games, I mean, if they have starters going six and allowing four and runs, they're going to win quite a few games if the offense catches up. So they really don't need Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. They don't need guys to perform like that. They just need guys to keep their offense in games so that their offense can take over late. And, you know, the offense right now maybe not may not be able to do that, but I think in the near future when they get – um couple more of these prospects up that are these really big bats I think they could really find some offensive success and if those starters continue it they might they might play 500 ball for once and meet the meet the expectations of Monford I guess <laughs> all right who are some losers you've got so my biggest loser you brought it's Ellerice Montero yeah. I he was he was in line for more playing time um you know with CJ Crone gone he was he's been getting all the playing time he wants and it just hasn't looked very good. I mean, he's strike his strikeout percentage is forty percent. That's you're you're never going to be able to succeed in the majors if you're striking out forty time forty percent of your chances. I mean, it's I believe it's the second worst in the majors behind Joey Gallo. He's walked six times and struck out seventy one times. That's just that's not going to work. And so all of his power, all of his exploits that he may be able to use at the plate are disappearing because pitches are pounding him with breaking balls and he's not doing anything with them. And then you add on to the fact that he still really isn't major league level at any defensive position. I mean, he made a nice diving play at first the other day, but that was after he had whiffed on three other routine plays. So it's, I mean, it's, it's nice when you can get those diving plays, you can get those real momentum builders, but it kills your momentum way more when you're missing routine plays. So both at the plate and in the field, I mean, this increased playing time just, I think, has more so exposed him than shown off maybe the exploits that he does have. So it's it's not the biggest sample size. It doesn't mean he's doomed for good. But, I mean, after the trade deadline, he was given all the opportunity he could, and he has turned it into one of the worst hitters in the majors as far as production goes. And that's sad because we've talked about his power and he wants to have five mm-hmm. home runs. I know he's always got 160 something at bats. I just looked it up. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I guess they're going to ride it out for the rest of the season. Don't you think? I mean, they're going to let him play and see what happens. Yeah. They're going to, that's what, that's what the trade was for. And that's what this last little stretch is for is Ellery, show us what you can do because you're, you've graduated from AAA. Every time you go back and play for the isotopes, you're awesome. 
I mean, you're hitting homers, you're hitting for average. You're doing all the things we want you to do at the major league level, but then when you're getting called up, you're not doing it here. So it's it's just not replicating it at a certain point. As an organization, you have to decide, is this a quad A guy or is this a guy that's going to contribute in the majors? And as of right now, it seems like Montero's a quad A guy. So I think they're going to they're going to be able to figure it out the rest of the year, kind of what they have. Because, I mean, they have some guys in the minors that probably deserve a chance next year if, if Montero can't start to figure something out the rest of the year. All right, who else you got on that loser list? Michael Tolia. And so the the two <laughs> oh, guys. Great, man. That all these gonna, young guys. We talk about the rebuild yep. and all these young guys. <laughs> the two young guys that really were going to get the most increase in playing time were Toglia and, and Montero. You know, with Grichik on, with Krohn gone, that opened up right field, you know, for Toglia to be able to be out there and Montero at first. And he's suffering from a lot of the same things that Montero is. He's striking out 35% of the time, but. The the most interesting part, and it's something that gets talked about, is totally as a is a switch hitter. Which, if you have power as a switch hitter at first, you're you're the one percent of the one percent. Those guys don't come along very often. But I'm starting to think he may not be a switch hitter at the major league level because he's hitting 0.98 against left-handed pitchers. And I mean, that's 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 like if you were to bring up a double A guy, that's what he would hit against lefties at this level. I mean, that's that's really poor, and he hasn't had a home run since July 26. So, even the even those glimpses of power that that you know you've been able to see from him, those have kind of disappeared too. And he's been good in the field, so you know it ha- that hasn't been an issue. But he's really struggled at the plate. But in many ways, I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt a little more than Montero. One because he's younger, and two because he's had even fewer opportunities at the major league level. So. I don't think Toglia and Montero are on the same track as far as their time clocks go with the organization, but the the results have not been great since he was given more playing time. And that's, you know, in talking to him seemed like the one thing that may kind of revitalize him is if he got more playing time and it just hasn't played out on the field that way. It's not real encouraged. If people are really excited about the rebuild, hearing those two losers is probably not great, great for no, the confidence. And- you would have thought with a rebuild, those would be the two that would shine. And instead it's Nolan Jones and Brent Doyle, which you maybe didn't expect those guys to shine this year, you know, coming into it. Um, but I mean, you'll take what you can get, but yeah, when it's two, when you're talking about a first round pick and then your pseudo replacement for Nolan in that trade, and those two guys are struggling, that really makes you a little iffy as an organization, I think to, you know, about how those moves are panning out for you. All right, who else we got on there? Who, who what other dreams are we going to crush? Uh, Daniel Bard. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, and so I, it's been this conflicting thing where no one's really sure. If, if you ask the organization and if you ask anyone in it, they'll tell you it's an arm slot problem. His arm slot is dipping for certain pitches. He's going up for others. And because of that inconsistency, that's why he's outside the strike zone. Because I, I don't know if people realize this, but a major league pitcher, that muscle memory, I mean, he's within centimeters on his motion every single time. And if you're not, you're going to struggle a lot. So that's what they're attributing it to. But either way, I mean, in his last seven appearances, he has an 8.44 ERA. And he's only struck out six guys in, in to 10 walks in that span. It's 
I mean, it's just been really iffy every time he stepped on the mound. And you can tell some days he seems to have that arm motion thing a little more dialed in. And then some days you can almost see him thinking about it. So whether that's what's hitting him mentally or whether it's some of those, you know, more yip type side effects popping back up. I mean, we'll never know from the outside because we're never going to get an answer of if he does have the yips, no one will ever say it. Um, But I, I, whatever it may be, he's, he's been pretty awful after being pretty great for them to start the year. The, the saga of Daniel Bard with the Rockies is so, I don't even know how to explain it. It's so up and down, up and down. You know, he had that great year, but they didn't trade him. They gave him the contract. Then yep. there was the stuff at the beginning of the year with the mental health. And then mm-hmm. now you're almost talking about him having the yips like a golfer. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I always wondered if they they just missed their chance to sell high on him. I think that's really the biggest lesson. They definitely did. And I think one of the big, one of the big things that the Rockies organization doesn't seem to have picked up yet is that relievers year to year are extremely fickle. I mean, even the good ones are going to have really bad years sometimes. And it's just the nature of the position and Seattle has learned it. I, I know I know Seattle Mariners fans probably hate it, but when they're selling high on these relievers to other teams, they're making out pretty well in each of these trades. This year it was Paul Seawald. They sent him to Arizona. And it's just it's you have to realize that there are certain moments to sell high on guys. And you said it. They had their window there where he came back. He was a great story. And and I understand he's a great guy. I understand why you'd want him to be in the clubhouse. But I think you also have to look at it from a what's going to make our organization best five years from now and being able to trade him at his highest point before signing that extension was that moment. Now he's untradeable. I mean, they with his contract, they cannot trade him at this point. So he's going to play out the rest of it with the Rockies when I mean, you just never know. You look at the two arms they got for Pierce Johnson, you figure they would have got more for Daniel Bard and those two arms have been pretty decent. So it's you just feel like they probably could have restocked a little bit. And it feels like the Rockies should know this because relievers at altitude is even different than just relievers everywhere. I just, you know, Rockies will have like a dominant, like closer, so to speak for like a year. And then the guys got to, I just remember Greg Holland. That's the first thing that came to my head where he was just outstanding. I think the, was it the first year with Bud Black maybe? Yeah, I but I and what's funny, what's funny is they've had multiple names along that line. They had Jake McGee, who came yeah. in was awesome at the beginning and then struggled. And then they had Greg Holland, they had Wade Davis is another name. Oh, on that yeah. list. They gave him all they that money. They have dealt with this, they've dealt with this so many times and still have yet to learn the lesson I'm talking about. And I that makes me think it's just not a lesson they feel is real. And that to me is is I mean, it's an indictment of the people in that office because it's obvious to people, anyone who follows baseball, it's obvious. But I guess to them, it's not. And that's another one of those things where if it's that obvious to us and it's not obvious to them, that's probably a red flag. Oh, man, Wade Davis. That's uh, there's a there's a contract. Uh, but <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's you stub your toe enough times you'd figure you'd you'd maybe move the coffee table, but in some ways they're just moving it closer to their toe every single time. I I don't understand it, but it's it's the reason a mediocre organization stays being a mediocre organization. And I feel like most of those guys they just ended up like DFA. 
Like they didn't even yeah, like they, trade them. They, they basically just got, got, rid got of them. nothing for any of them. They basically got nothing for any of those guys. And that's what makes it even worse is that you had a sell high moment. You decided to pass on it. And then you effectively got nothing for a bunch of these guys. And that's why the good organizations that trade those guys when they need to be traded continue to be good. And the Rockies have a terrible farm system because, well, they're never restocking it with these options that are very readily available. All right. Who's your last one on the loser list? My last one is in some ways it's kind of parallel to the, you know, I guess parallel in the opposite direction to the, to the Pierce Johnson thing. Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone have been awful in, in Los they Angeles. They had that one moment where they won there. that game, right? <laughs> yep. They had that one game where all the Rockies additions, you even had my, Mike Moustakis involved in it. All of them went off. You started to think, wow, those three pieces, they didn't give up much. They're good. Well, they, I mean, Gritchick's hitting 179, Crone's at 217, and the Angels are four and eleven since the since the trade deadline. I mean, they're they're not out of it yet completely. I mean, they're seven games back of that third wild card, but they're about as close to being out of it as you can get without being mathematically eliminated. So all of those moves that they made, I understood why they made them. I still kind of agree with the choice. If you have a Shohei, Otani, you you do anything you can to keep that guy in your organization as long as possible. I understand why they bought, but to say that it hasn't worked out might even be underselling. I mean, it's been a disaster. Yeah. The, with Otani, like you, they could not trade him. Like, I feel like, I mean, I guess they could have, but Hey, you would never get a package back. And then I saw a projection for his contract at like 790 million or something like that over 10, 12 years or something. I don't know. But, yeah, when you look into Statcast and you look into numbers, that's where that number came from is by dollar amount and wins above replacement, what he's able to do for a team. That's about what he's worth. Now, whether he'll get that or not, I'm not sure. I mean, he's going to set the new bar. Whatever yeah. contract he gets will be the new bar. But as far as how much, I mean, if I, I if I'm an organization and he asks for $600 million over 12 years – I'm probably going to feel pretty good when that contract's over. Just in my mind. I mean, as long as he doesn't have some catastrophic injury, I don't see whoever's signing him not working out. And Rockies fans are going to hate to hear it, but I, I'm i 99% sure the Dodgers are going to be the one that ends up with him. And so he's going to be at Coors Field quite a bit in the upcoming years. And I'm pretty – I'm I'm pretty sure about it at this point, but you know it's I could be wrong. I just I think all signs point to it. They've been holding off on big moves, all kinds of stuff. Well, they have unlimited money. Let's just be honest. Like they yep, do. they have unlimited money, and in some ways they've been budgeting as if they didn't, which tells you that they may Otani might not be the only move. Is is kind of my point because they've been budgeting to to go big fish hunting and they really haven't done it yet. So the, the money's there. They just, they haven't spent it. And I think Otani might be the one. It'd be, I'd be shocked if he left the West coast. Like, I think that that's where he wants. I would be too. I would be too. And all, all the rumors you see in all of social media, it's like Yankees fans want him. Mets fans want him. You got, you got Phillies fans that want him. You have all these fan bases that are trying to convince themselves that he's going to go from coast to coast. I've seen no evidence that that's going to happen. And I think it's kind of one of those fan pipe dreams where it's, well, we're the Mets. We can fix this with Otani. He, he's not going to the Mets. I'm sorry. He's just not. And that's a dumpster if fire. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, you know, I'll eat crow. But I, I, I say there's a less than 1% chance he ends up with the Mets. 
All right, so let's talk about something positive for the Rockies and that they're back home this weekend mm-hmm. and they're honoring Todd Helton uh, on Saturday. You'll, you will yep. be there. What What's kind of – what are they going to do for Todd Helton? So, so yeah, Helton's is kind of unique because during this whole year they've been doing some 30-year anniversaries. They've been bringing in, you know, three- to four-man groups. The latest one we had had Cargo, had De La Rosa, Pedro Estacio, and then Clint Hurdle. It was – there's a pretty great group. Well, this is the one weekend that they're going one player and one player only, and it's Todd. And, I mean, you could argue maybe Larry Walker deserved a day like that too, but I I think there's no argument that there's no one that represents them as an organization more than Todd Helton. So they're going to be doing a jersey giveaway. He's going to be in the park. He's going to talk to us as the media. He'll, he'll do a ceremonial first pitch. And then they're going to have a drone show after Saturday's game, which – I mean, we talked a little beforehand. I'm not 100% sure what a drone show is. I've never seen it. But the Rockies are going to do it after Saturday's game. So don't don't head out early if that's something you're interested in. The last time we talked, we kind of talked about the, the greatness of Cargo and his importance to the Rockies. So I think we should have that Todd Helton conversation, too, a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. he's right on the cusp of the Hall of Fame. I, I think people think yep. he probably gets in this next year. He. He needs know. 11 votes. He I needs mean, 11 votes to get over the hump. And based on people that have said they'll vote for him this year, that number might be lower than that. Because there's a couple people who have already said, yep, this is the year. I'm voting for him this year. So I odds would tell you he's going to get in this next cycle. Um, and that would just be huge for the Rockies. Because, yes, Larry Walker being the first was awesome. He was an awesome contributor to the organization. There's, I mean, there's a lot of love for Larry Walker, but Todd Helton is the Rockies. Yeah. I mean, he played 17 years. He only wore one uniform. He's he's a Rocky through and through. And so he's still working in the organization now as kind of an advisory role with some of the guys. And I I just think in, in many ways he is he's the epitome of what the Rockies need to be good. Honestly, they need a guy that can do what he used to do that gap to gap double power with a couple homers, a great defensive glove. I mean, in many ways, if they could have him play right now, man, could they use him because they need a guy that has that consistency. He, uh, that, that's what I would say. If I had to describe Helton in one word, he was a rock. He was consistent at everything. He could not even probably handle how many times these guys strike out now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, and he's a guy that I, I have yet to talk to him, unfortunately, just, uh, you know, in my limited time, but he's a guy that I've heard has a very dry sense of humor. He's yeah. very, he's very dry. And so I do not think that he would have done well with a team like this. I, I think that this type of team would have frustrated him to no end. And I think he may have said some things during the year that may not have helped either. And it wouldn't have been out of malicious, out of malicious intent. He just has a very dry sense of humor, and I, I could see that rubbing some young guys the wrong way if they were struggling. But you know what, though? You look back at some of the teams they put around him, mm-hmm. they weren't much better than this. No, no. And so, yeah, he dealt with it. I This is the first time in recent memory I can remember the Rockies going this young. I yeah. mean, just across the board. I think usually they like to insert a young guy here, insert one there, and then put him around veterans. I mean, this is as young as it gets. I think they're the third youngest lineup day to day in the in the majors. So this is as young as I remember them being recently. And and uh, th- those guys, I think, could use a Helton though. They could use a guy with that type of wisdom because Charlie Blackman's doling out wisdom as much as he can. But a second guy to help him out probably wouldn't hurt. Todd and the toddlers. That was uh, 
That was right before. I guess those guys turned into the 07 team, though, right? Yeah, no, he's he's dealt with a couple young guys that have turned into a very, very good core. I mean, those 07 and 09 teams, you're talking about some very young guys like a Cargo. Cargo was very young during that stretch. And you have guys learning from a Todd Heldon. And I, I've yet to hear many guys say that there's been many better leaders in the organization than him. And, yeah, he's uh, he he's – there's a reason he has his own day, I guess I should say, for sure. You know, thinking about them honoring guys like they are right now, is is the relationship with Tulowitzki just that bad? Oh, it's it's burned forever. Is it um, okay? I okay. I, I think that That's that sad. relationship. Well, and part of it is you know they were looking for a trade partner, and one thing he said during those trade process or during those you know talks was, I don't want to play on turf. I already have a lot of lower body injuries. I'm already dealing with they all this. Toronto. <laughs> and then they shipped him to Toronto where it effectively ended his career from injuries. So I, that to me, that bridge is burned forever. And I think him and Nolan are in the same boat. I do not see Nolan ever returning to the Rockies for a ceremony. That's kind of like this. If they have a, a 50th year, Nolan's been retired for a little bit. I, I don't think you're going to see him at the stadium. And that's that's partially on the Rockies. It's partially on those guys. I mean, Nolan has has already kind of, you know, it's he's already kind of pressed trade talks a little bit in St. Louis. Those reports were not coming from St. Louis. I can promise you that. So no, he's they, already they seem been, to be over him there a little bit already. <laughs> yeah, he's already been. And, I mean, like I said, Tulowitzki's career was effectively over once he left Colorado. He had a good stretch you know, with Toronto, but they got it, the postseason very, that year, right? Yeah, it was very short lived. He basically led them that year and then it kind of went downhill after that. And I think I think there's certain personality types that when they were met with Jeff Breidich, it just did not go well. And those were two guys that just didn't see eye to eye. That's that's sad to me. Like he's I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can I don't if you can write Rocky's history without him, but he was part of the two, two of the teams that made the playoffs, and he was on that team that made the World Series. And you know, I still this is a this is a personal story, but I remember his first year when he was he was pretty much going to be the shortstop. They didn't say it, but I went to spring training just with buddies. Like we just went and hung out. That's when they were still in Tucson, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that a little different than they are now. Um, and I just remember watching him and I'm telling my buddy, like, this guy's going to be a star. This guy's going to be a star. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, what are you talking? You know, he didn't believe me. And then here he was. But yeah, Bert, I mean, all organizations have that. But um, all right, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, we will look for your coverage of the weekend series against the White Sox, another team that's uh, not great, we'll say, not real high in the standings. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sure people will be out there for Todd Helton on Saturday. So yeah, make sure you look for Luke's stuff on DenverGazette.com. And Luke, we'll talk to you again next week. You bet. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.